Let's talk about some of my childhood autistic traits, part four. I wanted to concentrate more on sensory type of experiences, sensing and feeling things as an undiagnosed autistic child. I'm gonna warn you guys, some of the things I'm gonna be sharing on today's video is gonna be very obscure and borderline weird, but if you're already someone who watches my videos, I'm sure you will not judge me anyways. Um, and if anything, you've probably done weirder things, if not similar things to me. So let's just get into it. I could tell who farted based off of the smell of the fart. So this was something I did as a child that was extremely inappropriate, of course. Now that I'm an adult, I can understand that. But you know when people are just like secretly farting in public quietly and then if you're in the room, you could smell it and you're just like, who the hell farted? And you're just looking around and you're like, someone in here ate something bad for lunch because someone's like farting up this place. Well, throughout my life as a kid, I would be able to know exactly who farted based off of the fart because I could smell the pheromones almost within the fart. And so not only am I able to know exactly who farted, but I would actually point out who farted out loud and yes this is funny let's all get our laughs in but it's also very inappropriate and of course i've had several adults throughout my life tell me that i should not be doing that i vividly remember every time i was in a classroom setting for example or like out on the playground um and i would smell a fart that i could identify oh my god Michelle farted. I would literally point at her and I'd be like, you farted, I could smell it, I know it's you. And then of course the other kid would be super embarrassed and be like, I didn't fart, that wasn't me, that was someone else. And I would literally tell them, no, it's you because I could smell the fart and it's for sure from you, it's not from anyone else, it smells like a you fart. And now that I'm looking back on this, like, of course no one could understand what that even means. And it's just funny because part of being autistic is having such intense sensory experiences, right? A lot of the things I'm gonna be talking about today, as you guys will start to see, kind of goes hand in hand with synesthesia and just like the mixing of sensory experiences. Like you could smell who farted based off of the pheromones or sounds have texture to you, you know, things like that. And so, that's something I definitely want to highlight in every single one of my experiences is that kind of synesthetic, if that's a word, experiences of sensory things. I kind of touched on this in a previous video like this where I talk about how I could taste people's homes in their food. This is the same type of thing. I could smell someone's fart and their pheromones in someone's fart. And I always know who farted because of that. And it's just... I still can do this to this day. I just don't really talk about it out loud because of course that's inappropriate, but it's just one of those funny little traits that I have. Another very vivid memory I had was when I was in preschool during recess, I would oftentimes opt out of playing with other kids and I would actually play by myself very often. And something that I did very often by myself was I played with sand and I tried to get the perfect texture in the sand. Now, let me explain this because when I say that out loud, it's just really odd, right? By the way, you guys, when I say weird and odd, I'm not meaning it in a negative way. I'm just meaning it in a way where like 
objectively speaking, not many people really talk about doing things like this. So yes, it is an obscure thing. So oftentimes during recess, as a preschooler, I would get myself a little bucket and I would fill it up with sand and I would always go over to the water fountain and fill it up with some water and I would mix the water in with the sand until it was perfectly homogenized and all the sand was mixed in with the water and then I would touch it with my fingers and, and feel whether or not it was the perfect texture to me because I was trying to get the sand to be this perfect soft wet sand texture where it's not too wet where it could be molded into like a ball for example but it's also not dry where it like falls from your fingers just wet enough where you could like put your fingers through it and it's almost like this silky texture all the other little kids would be playing together and i would just be like underneath the playground by myself doing stuff like that it felt so meditative for me and it felt so therapeutic to just like be touching the sand and trying to get the perfect texture and to me, I guess that was how I wanted to pass my recess time rather than playing with the other kids. And that carries over throughout elementary school too, is just this general detachment from wanting to play with other kids. It didn't mean that I didn't play with other kids, right? There were many times where I did socialize with other kids and have a group of friends, but I always felt lost in those types of contexts. And I always felt the most relaxed when I was by myself doing things on my own. It didn't mean I wasn't lonely. It didn't mean I didn't want friends. It just meant that being around other kids typically dysregulated me because I wasn't so easily fitting in with those social contexts. And I was a lot of the times reprimanded for certain behavioral things because I didn't understand that they were wrong. As a result, I did a lot of the times tend to choose to be on my own doing things like that. Another experience that I had throughout my life was tasting water and having certain aversions to water. I never really truly understood how to explain this to people until I watched a segment on the H3 podcast where they had a water sommelier on. And literally, I think the water sommelier spent about an hour or so talking about different types of water, the different textures, the different flavors of water. And I feel like to an average person, they would think something like that was kind of boring or whatever. But when I first heard this segment, I was absolutely gobsmacked, floored, because this man, for the first time in my life, was able to take my experience with water and drinking water and put it into words and actually have like scientific research to back it up. I've experienced this throughout my whole life, even as a kid. I would almost feel aversion to a lot of different types of waters because the texture was too thin. And I know this is dramatic, but the only way I could kind of explain it was it tasted like poison. A lot of the water that I experienced drinking out of fountains or water bottles or sinks tasted like poison to me. It almost tasted like, let's say, metals or just chemicals. And it almost made you feel more thirsty afterwards. I think because I have this sensitivity to tasting water, I didn't really drink the amount of water that I needed to drink throughout my life. It was an actual issue. And a lot of autistic people struggle with drinking enough water. I don't know if there's enough research study to kind of explain why this happens, but I know for me, this is attributed to 
my sensory sensitivities to water. <laughs> it sounds so insane when I say it out loud because water is water, right? And how could someone have an issue drinking enough water because it tastes off to them or the texture of the water is off to them. This is a very real experience of mine and I didn't start to drink enough water until I got a very specific type of reusable water bottle and I started to get specific type of water. The system that works for me right now is I have a bunch of gallons of refillable water jugs and I go to my local water store and I refill the water with alkaline water there. For the longest time, I drank their normal water and I would always get this feeling of being thirsty even after drinking that water. And so that's why I switched to alkaline and I noticed that with the alkaline water, and I'm not necessarily recommending you guys to go out and try alkaline. Everyone's body's different, right? But for me, when I switched over to that store's specific alkaline water, I noticed that I actually felt quenched afterwards. I felt like the water texture was like silkier and thicker than the normal water. This is just like some part of my experience as well, being very sensitive to different types of water and it's to an extent where even when I travel, I have to make sure that as much as possible I'm drinking alkaline water. I can't just drink any bottled water or even worse, tap water. It's not that I absolutely can't. It's just if I have to and that's my only option, it would impede on my nervous system and make me feel a sense of flight or fight. And it's harder for me to regulate myself. It's harder for me to thus probably socialize and have executive functioning, you know, things like that. Another thing I did as a child was I had certain stim songs and I'm not sure if all children have an affinity to music or a certain type of song and they want to listen to it over and over again. I'm sure to an extent that is just a normal thing. But for me, it was very much so one of my autistic traits. And let me kind of explain what that was like. So. As a child, music was one of the primary ways I felt soothed. When I say soothed, I mean I was stimming, I was regulating myself through music. It was more than just listening to music. It literally felt like I was being held and rocked. If I could think of what it was like, it's like when Stitch is going crazy from Lilo and Stitch and Lilo goes and puts a lay on him and he literally just like lays there and is super calm. That's what it felt like when I was listening to music. When I was a kid, what we had was portable CD players and we had CDs. And so what I would do is I had a collection of CDs that I would get from Borders bookstores. Man, I miss times like that. One of my favorite childhood memories was just going through the bookstores and looking through all of the books and CDs and stuff like that and the smell of coffee. On my downtime, I would put these CDs in and I would listen through the whole album. And usually within every CD, I would have one or two songs that I particularly liked and they were my stem songs. I would always go to that specific track and I would play it over and over and over again, just constantly replaying it. And I would just move my body to the rhythm of the music or I would just lay there. My parents kept certain CDs in the car whenever we would drive to places like school or swim practice or whatever. And I would always ask them to play the same song again and again and again. And they would always ask me like, why do you always wanna just listen to that one song? We have so many different types of music 
why don't you just listen to what's playing? And I would sometimes even throw tantrums over this. Hindsight 2020, I know that they were shutdowns or meltdowns. They weren't just tantrums, right? I noticed that a lot of my childhood, when I wanted to tap into these sensory comforts over and over again, it was because I was so dysregulated as a child. After getting diagnosed as an adult, I've made a conscious effort to tap into that sensory comfort again in moments of shutdown or meltdown. I will have my certain stim songs and I'll just play it and lay in the darkness and just allow myself to stim and listen to those songs and calm down a little bit. All right, so this is another very obscure thing and this is very abstract too. Another thing I used to do as a child was I used to sense when someone felt very sad and I would purposefully go out of my way to interact with them, but specifically with the intention of making them smile. And when I say that out loud, it seems very odd that a child could be so emotionally intelligent in that sense especially an autistic child. I feel like that is a huge misconception nowadays and hopefully research will catch up to the truth of the matter and that is that autistic people are very empathetic and can read facial expressions and energies and whatnot. As a child, I was so empathetic to a point where I could feel when someone was sad. This is very interesting because I didn't particularly feel the need to interact with people in general. If anything, in many ways, I felt detached from people and I liked to spend time on my own, doing my own thing, being in my own little world. But I felt this particular soul calling whenever I would see another person. Usually it was an adult and they looked sad to me. I could feel their sadness and I would go up to them and I would smile at them and I would wave at them. I was really young. I was probably only like five to eight years old. I remember the specific adults that I would see that would oftentimes be the most sad to me. I could feel the sadness were truck drivers. I remember I would be sitting in the back of my mom's car and I would be looking out my window and I would look at truck drivers in their huge ginormous trucks and I would just sense like a sadness from them and I would always make an effort to just stare at them and wait until they probably felt me staring and they would look down at me and I would once making eye contact with them I would smile and I would wave at them and I wouldn't stop until they smiled and waved back at me. And I remember just feeling like I don't need to have a conversation with this person. It was just, I wanted them to feel noticed and for them to feel that energy being exchanged and for them to feel like a moment of being seen and feeling happy. The moment I usually felt like they received that energy is when they were able to smile back at me and wave. In those moments, I would be like, okay, that's exactly what I wanted from that exchange and I could move on with my day happily and move on with my life. And I would do this so often as a child. This wasn't just a one-time thing. It was very intentional of me. I remember like all the time as a kid, just seeing all these adults being so sad and unhappy and disconnected. I felt this deep need to like connect with them through a smile and waving and make them feel noticed. Just things like that, you know? 
So another thing I remember is when I was really, really young, young enough to be in a stroller, I remember paying attention to the way that the stroller's wheels felt going over different types of texture of floors. And I remember having favorite textures of floors because of that. Like I would be excited that my mom would go into a certain department store because I knew that the floors texture would feel good on the stroller's wheels. When I say that out loud, it sounds so freaking funny to me because it is so specific, but that is like one very vivid thing I remember. I don't know what these floors are called, but if I could find a picture of it, I'll put it up here. But there was a very specific type of texture of floor that was in department stores. It was not like a straight tile. It had like rivets to it, almost like water, and it had like a glossiness over it. So when the wheels of the stroller went over it, it would kind of almost feel like I was going over water and I would almost like hear or feel the way that the wheel would rub onto that glossy texture. And I just loved that type of floor specifically. I didn't particularly like going over concrete or gravel because I would hear and feel like the little rocks being rubbed against the wheel. Didn't like that. But yeah, those were some of my very sensory-centered autistic traits that I experienced throughout my childhood. I'd be very curious to hear from you guys whether or not you related to any of these to any sort of extent. Other than that, keep it respectful in the comments when sharing your experiences and responding to each other. Thank you guys for tuning in on today's video and don't forget to take care of yourselves. I'll see you on the next one. Bye guys.